everyone and welcome back to the fourth episode of We're Spinning Plates. I'm Em. And I'm Kira. And as always, we will be kicking off the episode with a weekly roundup. So what have you been up to this week, Kira? Well, to be honest, mostly this week has been consumed entirely <laughs> by my pure excitement about the fact that it is Christmas. Having well, it's not to like not Christmas. shout. Well, it is technically Christmas, Em. Let's just uh, hash this I'll out right now. It. <laughs> it is Christmas from the 1st of December until the 20 i'm gonna say 27th of december is christmas and that is fine i would say up until the first of jan i don't know i feel like there's a little like bridge isn't there between new year and christmas don't you mean christmas and new year well i mean if we're (laughs) gonna be picky about it but either way (laughs) the point of the matter is that i am treating it as if it's christmas right now and i'm like this is giving me so much joy so mostly this week has just been about christmas 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 and a little bit more christmas i have been loving advent calendars and in particular (laughs) i have gotten myself a tea advent calendar i am so jealous of that loving it it's so much fun because obviously advent calendars in general are fun you get to have chocolate every day but you kind of know what you're getting every single day whereas with this tea one i have no idea what flavor tea it's going to be until i open it so it's like a potluck type thing and it's so much fun to like open it and see what i get is it 24 different flavors or are there 24 different flavors i think 24 might be a repeat i was just reading the box earlier and it said 23 individual flavors and a surprise on day 24 now i have treated them all as a surprise because i've not looked at the like order but i think you can check the order underneath the Mm. like box but it's so much fun and they're like definitely some hitting like some that are proper hits some that are definite misses but like it's a fun, a fun time. Why? What's and also, um, there was a jasmine green tea that was Ew, just like bland. That's not my vibe. Um, yeah, it was kind of like just average. I would never choose like a green tea. I like the like spicy, yeah. warming, like cozy teas. But it's fun to just like try them all out. So Still fun, this has been yeah. a week of Christmas decorating the tree. Today we actually went to cut down a Christmas tree at a Christmas <laughs> tree farm, which was a lot of fun. Um. And yeah, so basically, I'm just getting into the Christmas spirit, and this is going to be me for the next, like, three or four weeks, so get used to it. (laughs) To be fair, I've just been watching your Vlogmas, and it has really been getting me in the mood. I just loved your advent calendar opening, and Jay getting involved, and all of the comments in Jay's fan club. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Everyone loves Jay. It's like, there's always comments asking, like, what he's reading, telling me how lucky I am that I have a boyfriend that will (laughs) read with me and everything. Yeah, but Jay actually, like, is a bit of a snake. He edits our (laughs) our podcast episodes and he left in a clip last week that I asked him to take out, so Jay is actually official snake. But (laughs) P.S. Thanks, Jay, for editing. You save us a lot of time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Also, um, I feel like, you know, that that was a really funny bit, so I'm personally Team Jay. I also love you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel weird that I said it now. (laughs) <laughs> the Jay appreciation is real but yeah I, I was know. watching your vlogmas and it was really getting me in the mood I've got the lint advent calendar and nice. to be fair it does give me a perk before work oh that rhymed oh nice. know it. <laughs> uh, so yeah no definitely in the festive spirit I actually moved house this week or last weekend Woo. so a week today so that has definitely been the biggest thing going on in my life this week uh moving 300 books across York was wow. a challenge I think my dad told me I wasn't allowed to ever buy another book and yeah and then we went to te- we went to tesco to get some bits like you know that i needed for the house and i bought a book <laughs> oh my god you can't be stopped what book was it well it was dolly alderton's everything i know about love because it was one of my favorite books of the year but then i was borrowing lucy's copy and since i don't live uh, with lou anymore i needed my own copy so 
picked up one of those because that was to me an essential and I also want to include that in a reading blog so technically that was work (laughs) (laughs) I like that perception yeah I think I'm the queen I always say this to people I'm the queen of justifying food and purchases like if you come to me like should I get this I'll be like yes and here's why and you'll walk (laughs) away feeling completely justified long as you can absolutely justify it and come up with any reason no matter how like tenuous the link might be I think it's fine yeah I think we're both like that to be fair when we go out and go to Waterstones in particular it's like it's a mess it's a mess two mad women like on a rampage (laughs) (laughs) Waterstones is open now that the end is in sight that we can go back and have another one of the I know I'm so excited but we're currently in different tiers yeah which means no Waterstone shopping for a while. But. And if you don't know what that is, England is currently in a tier system for COVID lockdown. So mm-hmm. I'm in tier two, Kira's in tier three. Even though we're so close, it's yeah. just so irritating. But, you know, still a couple of weeks and then maybe I'll be in tier two as well, which would be nice. I mean, there's not even a tangent that I can go on here. I'm just, just going to have no segue. Uh, did you see this week's <laughs> Made in Chelsea? We haven't discussed this yet. We saved yes. it for the podcast. I finally caught up. I was having issues with catching up because my laptop wasn't letting me watch the episodes it wasn't loading but yesterday I finally managed to catch up and I am loving it so there are so many different like (laughs) segments of the episode though so like where do you want to begin I just feel like next week did you see the trailer for next week when when it's all gonna kick off between Emily and what's her boyfriend called uh Harvey Harvey is his name Harvey yeah I was gonna say that but he doesn't look like Harvey yeah okay no when it kicks <laughs> off, it's going to kick off between Emily, Harvey and Habs. That, that's my particular storyline that I'm excited for. Yeah, I just think it's like, I feel bad for Habs because like she's like perfectly happy with Jamie. Yeah, I don't think and Habs like, was causing trouble at all. I actually think no. Harvey was in the wrong. I think Harvey's just an absolute Prat. piece of work. Yeah. Like, honestly, because why would you agree to move in with your friend and then get all like funny about it? Emily deserves better, full yeah. stop. And he's like then meddling and stirring the pot between two girls and like sort of putting them against each other in a way that kind of allows him to get away with yeah, doing definitely. stuff that he shouldn't do. And if he signed to move in to a flat with Emily and then literally made her move in on her own while he swanned off to Cornwall, and I'm not I'm not impressed with Harvey. Getting a no. little bit bored of the Sam and Zara storyline. Either get together or not. I am quite happy that, like, Tiff and Zara and Sam yes. seem to be, like, friends now. And, like, Tiff is actually, like, championing the relationship because I hated... That was another thing that I didn't like. I hate it when there's, like, an ex-boyfriend and, like, two girls who then, just yeah. because they both have gone out with the same guy, automatically have to hate each other. And, yeah. and I think that this is kind of showing that that's not the case, like... You know, definitely. I think that that is a trope in books. It's a trope in real life, in movies, in TV. Like that, if you're with, you're in a relationship with someone, you have to hate their ex. Yeah, and I just hate that trope because I mean, they're just a person. So yeah, and it's like you know, obviously. It depends on the circumstances of the breakup and what you know about that person. But if two people just decided that they didn't want to be together anymore and then one of those people or both of those people have moved on with other people, like, there's no reason why there needs to be, like, any animosity or anything. Yeah, it just seems crazy. But um, And this shows that you actually might end up being really good friends with them if you just give them a chance. 
Exactly, because, like, I guess some people, like, I guess um, Sam and Tiff can be, like, really good friends. Maybe they weren't, like, a good romantic match, but they do still have, like, that friendship, which is nice. Yeah, definitely. Oh, what a wholesome Made in (laughs) Chelsea note to end the round upon. So that was our weekly roundup, and for this week's main topic, which we will move on to in a second, we are tackling something pretty major. So we will see you (laughs) in the next section. Okay, so jumping into this week's big topic, and let's be honest, this one is a big, big, big topic, because we're going to be diving into the theme of how on earth you actually decide what you want to do with your life. Probably one of the biggest decisions you ever have to make. When Kira suggested this to me about 30 minutes ago, because let's not pretend we're more organised than we are, I reacted (laughs) like, how on earth are we going to explain this? Because it's such a big topic, and also how on earth are you meant to know what you want to do with your life? But I think we're I think we'll handle it. I think we'll manage this. I think but we just can do as a it, little yeah. fun starter, what did you want to do when you were younger? And is it the same as what you're doing now? And also clarify what you're doing now because I think that could be helpful. Yes. Okay. So I think I'll start with saying what I do now, which is that I am a digital marketing executive. So I work with social media, websites, all things to do with marketing um, for a company that is based in tourism. Um, And definitely that wasn't the dream that I harboured when I was like five (laughs) years old, when you first get asked what you want to be when you're older. (laughs) Digital marketing Um, (laughs) exec, mum. Can you imagine like a five-year-old coming into their reception class, like I'm definitely going to be a digital marketer like I don't think so um but I was one of those children that had loads of ambition but nothing like um clear like I wasn't the type of kid that was like um decided when they were like five that they were going to be a nurse or a doctor and like stuck with that ambition all the way through school I wanted to do a different job every day of the week I had so many ambitions that I just wouldn't allow myself to be tethered to one role so I was like I want to have a bakery on Mondays I want to have 10 children all of whom are going to be girls and I want to be a vet on Tuesdays and then I'm going to be an actress, a singer and everything else in between. I can't sing just to clarify but I just wanted to do everything when I was younger. That's so funny though because even though you're doing something different now to any of those things you're still very much the type of person that wants to do everything so that that is yeah. kind of the same. That's so true. Yeah <laughs> that was deep, that was intense. <laughs> I, know, I love that. <laughs> so for context I am a marketing assistant, I'm like the career baby version of Kira's job. <laughs> you were what I was like two years ago. <laughs> yeah I'm Kira two years ago so hopefully I'll become a yoga teacher too although that's unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. So I'm a marketing assistant now but when I was younger I was dead set on being a vet. I'm like dead set on it really I did I would say three years work experience I was working for an animal shelter for a long time and also an animal hospital uh just a side note one of my favorite jobs I've ever had was working for the animal shelter on a Sunday morning my job was to go in wake up all the cats and give them breakfast and give them affection is there is there a better job than that because I don't think there is no amazing and that dream came to an end being a vet when I I went in on like a surgery and witnessed a surgery like as part of my work experience and I fainted (laughs) (laughs) not the career for you (laughs) I won't like I came around it was kind of like I just went really really faint and I came around and I was like "Mm, maybe maybe this isn't the career for me so I definitely ended up doing something very different to what I 
said I wanted to do when I was younger, but I did also say, and I've always said since I was about five, that I wanted to be an author. So I guess that did come true. Might not be that my full time job, true. but it is something. Yeah, but I you achieved. did it. It's a job. Yeah. Also, I've just decided to play careers advisor, and <laughs> seeing as you work in the charity sector in yeah. marketing, um, I just thought like you should work for like an animal charity. That should, that's like the perfect way to combine the two loves. I would love oh, that. Amazing. Literally, I think marketing in the charity sector is definitely something I'd love to do long term. And I think like either what I'm doing now or animal sector, animal sector, animal shelters, or maybe like a women's charity, like definitely something yeah. I'd want to branch out into. But just to go off on a tangent on the fact that you said careers advice, I once went yeah. to a careers advisor at university and she asked me like what I was into and I said books and she said, you should be a librarian. I was like... <laughs> I'm not being funny, but I could I could have come up with that. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I feel like they are literally like they're people, but they work like computers. They're just like English. You must be a librarian. It's yeah. like um, no, no, thank you. Yeah, no. Um, or teacher. No, thank you. I was you. looking Absolutely for something not. a little bit more outside of the box than that. But yeah, to get onto the actual topic. <laughs> but a fun little exploration. I had no idea that you wanted to open a bakery at one point. Although I think you'd be really good at that. I think that's definitely a plan. I, ju- I don't think I'm a good enough baker. This is my issue. I think like, you, I you could just... do a vegan bakery. Oh, yeah, but I think that there are much, much, much more talented vegan bakers than me. I'm not being, like, self-deprecating. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 we've talked about comparison. <laughs> I just am like, is that the career for me? Potentially not. I think maybe I'm meant to be more of a, like... Um, bakery appreciator and lover rather than a bakery owner but um it was definitely a fun dream while it lasted (laughs) so how did you actually decide what you wanted to do and what is your advice for that um so this is kind of like a long story but i'll try to cut it down a little bit so essentially um my mum always 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 told me that she thought that I would be good in advertising um which I guess is like a little bit similar to marketing um and she used to talk about that like I guess before digital marketing was even really like a big thing and she would always say like that it was a great opportunity because you can be creative um it's obviously like a little bit to do with copywriting and sort of pulls on English skills because obviously my degree was in English literature and she always used to say it to me but it's one of those things that you just kind of like you don't take as much notice about what your parents tell you <laughs> you like that they think you should do um, and actually up until um gosh like the second year of sixth form I was set on becoming a clinical psychologist um, I think you'd be good at I, do, that. I do as well actually like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie it's still in my mind I'm like do I go back to university and do a psychology degree I think it's you're one definitely... of those people that could do a lot of things and do them well yeah I just I love 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 psychology but at the same time I also had ambitions to like buy a house um which I still haven't done <laughs> lol but um I'm, I might be doing it soon so I'm like basically my point is that with a clinical psychology um career you have to do obviously your psychology degree you have to do two years work experience as a psychology assistant sometimes you have to get a master's and then it's an NHS funded um doctorate program the PhD which means that you have a very slim chance of getting onto the program like it's really competitive and so I kind of talked myself out of it because 
I was like, God, I, I do want that career, but at the same time, I also want other things and I don't want to be like yeah. still trying to get started in a career when I'm nearly 30. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like if that's you, don't worry about it. But that was just kind of like the way that I talked myself out of it. Um, and then I went to uni, did an English degree, ended up doing some marketing work experience with the um, marketing officer at my mum's work. She works in a school, so I went and did some work experience there. And I just kind of like decided to look for graduate schemes in that area, got my first job and kind of got started and it actually turned out to be a really great fit because it kind of pulls, like my mum told me all along, on loads of different skills and areas yeah. that I am interested in, that I like, that I have like, that sort of play to my talents and skills and so marketing is a great fit for me but I guess what I'm trying to say is that like it's not always as clear cut as having like an ambition and like following it sometimes you kind of just need to try things out and oftentimes you'll like do something that you maybe didn't even consider and it might actually be a really great fit so it's really hard to objectively choose yeah before you've actually done something what about you so my degree was in geography and I feel like geography is one of those <laughs> degrees which uh, it was human geography so BA uh, so you can definitely go into pretty much anything as long as it's not like a vocational degree that leads on to then one of those professions like mm-hmm. a doctor or a policeman or something like that and so I really like until the end of university I'd say not in even like after graduation I had no idea what I wanted to do I feel like from a very young age my ambition was always be an author and I thought that once I had this naive um, like idea in my head that once you published a book that's you set for life it's very much not (laughs) that's not how it works it's very much at the moment a side like a side career um but it wasn't until I started doing the marketing for the book which was very much in my own I just said very much like a lot of times I said very much very much (laughs) very much Uh, very much (laughs) So I was doing the marketing for the book and that took up a lot of my spare time. It's why I started Booktube, it's why I started Bookstagram um, and being active online. And I, I really saw like an opening in social media and marketing in something that I really loved to do. And I had no idea really at first what kind of marketing I wanted to do. I think like end game, like number one choice would probably be in publishing because it's so related to yeah. books. Uh, but then when I like also with the book I went and I worked with a charity called Safe Lives on a domestic abuse campaign and I thought I really like working for a charity obviously I'd worked for an animal shelter I then did some work with Safe Lives so I I loved that charity aspect and I knew I was good at social media and marketing and so I was like oh maybe I'll apply for a job in charity marketing and that's how I got there but it definitely wasn't something I'd ever considered until after you like after graduation like end of third year after graduation when I started to do it in my spare time and realize it was a skill I thought I could kind of lend to my career Mm, yeah 100% that makes a lot of sense so I feel like we're both kind of similar in the sense that we went through like a full degree without really knowing where we wanted it to take us (laughs) um which is interesting and I am 100% certain that we are not alone in that like a lot of people do that especially with um BAs I feel like people who do like a um like a more vocational degree obviously have a little bit more certainty but I've always been so indecisive that I think committing myself to a degree that like basically just leads in one direction always seemed a little bit scary to me because you just don't know if you're gonna like something until you've done it which is why I think choosing your career 
is such a scary prospect because it does feel like you are tying yourself to something indefinitely, even though actually that isn't the case. Yeah, I think careers, I think it's definitely something that's a little bit more traditional, maybe from older generations, where there's that mindset of you decide on a career, start the career, and that's your career for life. And obviously there are exceptions Mm -hmm. to that rule, but it's definitely a mindset I think that's changing with new generations. And I think now there's more of a focus on the fact that you can start a career and it's you're not tied to that career at all and that you can keep changing jobs and that is totally fine and I think that's actually a really healthy way to approach careers and choosing a career because I think there's so much pressure put on choosing what you want to do with your life when it's totally natural to not have a clue. The graduate website that I edit for called New Grad, uh, I get a lot of people write into us and want to write articles about the fact that they are panicking because they don't know what they want to do with their life. And I feel like if you're in that position, you're in university or you've just graduated, that's totally normal and that's really fine. Like, I don't know many people, unless they took a vocational degree, that really knew what they wanted to do until postgrad. No, 100%. And like, it's just... I think the people who know exactly what they want to do are the minority and the people who are just kind of like winging it are definitely more common Um, and so yeah if you are feeling that way you're definitely not alone I think people like try to pretend that they're more like certain (laughs) because that kind of like if you tell yourself that you want to be something then you kind of give yourself that like security and you take out the indecision from it so like like, even if it's not exactly so like even if you're not 100% certain that say like being let's say a digital marketing executive is the career path for you if you tell yourself it is then you immediately like give yourself something to focus on and that makes life a little bit easier um so if you are feeling very like lost and concerned like just think about what skills you do have or what interests you have that might sort of be applicable to a career and maybe just try things out give yourself the opportunity to like sort of go for something and that's like the only way you'll really know whether it's it's for you but if you don't like it then don't feel like because you've done the job that you've kind of tied yourself to it and that's you set for the next 50 years until you (laughs) retire like life is very much like flexible and I know I guess that's like a privileged thing to say and obviously like the opportunity to go back to school or like to change careers is a privilege because not everyone can financially afford to do that but it is technically a possibility you don't have to be stuck to the decision that you made when you were 18 or 21 or where whenever it was that you got your first job yeah and I think it's okay to especially after obviously after graduation it is my experience of it but even if it was just like after sixth form or after school if you have a job that just tied you over until you decide more specifically what you want to do like that's a really great choice as well I was a barista for a year after university and I don't regret it at all because I think it gave me a lot of clarification over really like because being a barista allowed me to do spend a lot of my spare time I had a day off in the middle of the week I had a full weekend and the evenings after work and I could really focus on my creative hobbies and those creative hobbies were what led me to decide I wanted to do marketing so I think never kind of underestimate the power of a job that might not be what you want to do in the end necessarily but is a job that allows you the space to explore what you might want to do yeah I agree and also like 
a job can be just a job like I think there's so much emphasis on like how your career defines you and obviously your job might be the place that you spend like the most hours out of your week so of course it does feel like quite an important part of your life and maybe your identity but also like it doesn't have to be the only thing that like defines you and I think it is kind of irritating that like say for example if someone asks you like what you do with your life and if you I guess like I, when I was at uni I worked as an admin assistant and I would like say oh, I'm just a I just work in admin or just this or like just that yeah. and it's kind of like there's a almost I guess like a, a shame or something surrounding like you you feel like if you say you have a job that maybe doesn't seem as prestigious and um, that that reflects badly on you but you're not telling everyone all of the other amazing things that you might do so maybe you do have a job that's like in your opinion just tiding you over until you figure out what career path you really want to go down or maybe you are completely happy in having a job that is just there purely to pay the bills because outside of work you have all of your other hobbies and interests and skills and amazing things that don't necessarily come across when someone just asks the question what do you do with your life and it's like it is a bit of a shame that that has become like one of the most like defining characteristics of people because that is such a small part in my opinion of like my personality life I feel like that is a definite wider issue of like the symptoms of capitalism that's that's a topic for another day (laughs) (laughs) definitely but yeah it's um it's difficult to choose what you want to do but just know that it isn't like the major issue or like the defining thing about your life like if you're feeling lost or confused or maybe even if you have found yourself in a career and you're now feeling stuck or you maybe have lost your interest in that area and you just don't know what to do because you've already made the decision about what career you've got like just know that 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 is completely normal and also you can make a decision to change that um, and take steps to do other things as well so it's like yes it's important to find a job that that you enjoy but people change so often that it's inevitable that the person you were at 16 and at 20 and obviously I'm not there yet but like 30 I'm assuming are going to be completely different so to suggest that the career path that suited me when I was 18 and the career path that will suit me in like 10 years time is going to be the same is just a bit of a strange thing to assume because so many other bits of life will be different by then so it's like Mm. things change yeah things change and your perceptions can change and your ambitions can change and it's I think it's just a case of going with the flow like having ambition to some extent and you know direction to some extent but also accepting that careers like a lot of things in life are just a case of going with the flow and as you adapt adapting your career path to match definitely so to conclude this section do you have like one overriding tip for like (laughs) what what you would say if you had to like narrow it down to one thing to help someone choose what they want to do with their life what would it be this could have been you know a prompt that you gave me before we started recording (laughs) (laughs) it just came to me now sorry I think my tip is to look at the things that you really enjoy doing and look at the skills that you have from that and the kind of aspects of your personality and how you work that tie into that that could be transferred to a career and could have money made out of them in some way so for me that was social media sometimes I can't believe that my job involves you know scrolling through Twitter um but I think working on social media in my spare time um yeah definitely moved me to decide what I wanted to do for my career so look at the things you enjoy doing outside of work or school and 
think about whether the skills from that could be transferred to a career. 100%. That was definitely kind of like what I was going to say. And the <laughs> other thing that I would kind of give as a tip would be kind of like assess what it is that you want to gain from your career, not just in terms of like climbing a career ladder or moving into different positions, but like how much time do you want to have outside of work? What hours do you want to work? Do you want a set schedule? And um, do you want to work within the nine to fives, work from home, all of those types of things? Because yes, your career is important, but fitting the career into your life as it exists and with everything else that you have going on is really important because if you don't find a job that's a good fit for your lifestyle in general then you'll very quickly find yourself resenting it or losing touch with your other passions and so I think yeah combining it with your own personal interests and then seeing what careers would feasibly fit into the lifestyle you want to lead long term is a great place to start in terms of like choosing a job and a like career that's going to work for you. Very very wise. (laughs) So that wraps up our thoughts on how on earth do you decide what to do with your life. I feel like that was the biggest (laughs) topic maybe we've tackled so far and I I feel like we I feel like I enjoyed that one. That one wasn't as stressful did, as yeah. last week. It was last fun. week, <laughs> last week, last week was, was stress. stressful, but this one, yeah, that was fun. So yeah, join us again in a minute for our Agony Ant column. Welcome back to our favourite part, or I can't speak on behalf of Kira, my favourite part of the podcast, which is (laughs) (laughs) the Agony Ant section. We've just had a chocolate break, which was delightful. And now we're back with two more Agony Ant questions. Thank you again to everyone that sends questions in. It's really helpful to have something, well, to have questions to answer. It's quite (laughs) integral to an Agony Ant column. Uh, And we just love reading them. So the first question that we have sent in is, how do I decide what to keep private online? And I think this is related to if you have an online presence like online platforms like we do how do you decide that divide between public and private life and what to share online so I think my advice for this is that when I first started doing YouTube way before booktube when I only had about 10 (laughs) subscribers for a good six months I was like a uni vlogger did you know that I did yeah I think when I when we first like met you'd kind of just started booktubing and like you still were doing your vlogs as well or you like still had quite like recent ones so yeah I did know yeah so I did uni vlogs for a long time more as a way for me to document my uni life because I was living kind of on my own at that point and also it just gave me like someone to talk to because it was like (laughs) the camera so that was what I was doing at first and I was very open on that like I definitely shared parts of my life that I wouldn't now like I did put a boyfriend on there which actually ended up being one of my most viewed videos which why is that why did that like why um and I definitely wouldn't do that now I think it's definitely down to perfect personal preference when I had fewer subscribers and fewer followers online I was more I didn't think about it as much and I was more open with what I would share about mental health and day-to-day life and relationships and family whereas now I very much approach it as what do my subscribers or followers or anyone that engages with my content need to know. So I talk about books and reading and writing. And then I always talk about like, if I'm filming a vlog, I'll film like day-to-day life, like little bits about work and things and major life updates that obviously like if I move house, I have to say because my background changes in my videos or if I change job, then I have to say because that is also relevant to my content. But I do keep a lot private online. Definitely, I feel like I talk more in this podcast than I do about personal life things on my other platforms. But I think it's about personal preference. And I would think, I would suggest just thinking, I always think like, what would I want people from my real life 
to have access to because it, it's very easy to not think about the people you don't know that are, that are viewing your content but yeah. it's I think it's easier to think of the people in my real life that I know like people I used to go to school with or anything like that what would I want them to be able to access from my content and know about my life now and I feel like that helps me decide what to keep private and what to make public but I definitely do tone it down from when I first started making content what about you I feel like I'm the exact opposite to you <laughs> um I was surprised first of all say but like yeah I know I feel like that seems to be a common theme within these uh, agony ant responses but um first of all I'd say that I'm not like someone who's like very conscious about like okay that's for the public domain and this is something yeah. that I want to keep private like it's not um, like there's not parts of my life that I actively don't share however I would say that the more that I have like grown on social media and obviously particularly on YouTube because I guess that's like the medium where I'm the most personal and um, I've found myself like sharing more and more bits of my like general life as opposed to just like the specific like I guess part of YouTube that I'm in by which I mean like I started off by making vegan food videos and they were just very much about the food not about me whatsoever and then I also of course make book videos and again at the beginning it was all very much about books my thoughts on the books what the books were about all of that kind of stuff because quite frankly I didn't think anyone at that point would be interested enough in me (laughs) as a person (laughs) to actually bother to listen to any of the other stuff about my life whereas gradually as I guess I've like built a bit of a community and there are people who comment on my videos who I know have been watching for like over a year or whatever and I feel like we've got like a bit of a like a back and forth like a friendship and like just like a general community it seems like a nicer space to share more about my life which has meant I guess that there's been more and more things that I have shared rather than keeping them private but that's not because I've like made that conscious decision if that makes sense like it's not like I've suddenly decided okay I want to start sharing this now it's been more of I guess a natural progression where I've like built a community the content has evolved and developed and it's gradually sort of become more about like me as a person which includes those things like vegan food and books and yoga that make up my life and so I kind of share my life as a whole however there are obviously things that I don't film um, and that I don't share and sometimes that can come down to like people's own preferences and like you know not everyone wants to be online and um, I also guess that I kind of share things that make sense so like I'm not just gonna like randomly mention everything that happens in my life because I don't think people care about that but like if things make sense in the context of what I'm talking about or what I'm doing then I'll share it and I'm not like particularly conscious about keeping bits of my life private and but I know that that's like a very very personal preference and each person has like a different thing so I guess if you're like struggling with knowing what's right for you I guess if you're feeling uneasy about something that might be a sign that you do want to keep that private if it doesn't feel natural or comfortable for you to share then don't feel the pressure to share it just because you are online but if there's something that you want to talk about or that you think maybe would be interesting or beneficial or valuable to the people that are following you wherever it might be on social media then maybe it would be a good thing to share so it's really just like listening to your gut instinct I think. And I think sometimes even the things that might be valuable to your content if it does make you uneasy then you don't have to share that your content will be just as good without it I've got a really good example for this I was filming a reading vlog the other week and it was a book all about losing a grandparent and loss and grief and I filmed a clip where I was talking all about how I personally connected to the book and I knew that it 
probably would have enriched the vlog and made my connection to the book more obvious but then I just took it out because it did definitely make me feel uneasy to put that experience of mine in the reading vlog and I think it is yeah. about listening to your gut like even if it is relevant sometimes if you don't want it to be there like it doesn't have to be there it's very much up to your you know up to your gut and up to you to decide yeah. what's in there and I think often you think about the things that you don't include and you think oh I didn't say that about my private life but the people that are watching and consuming that content aren't even aware that that's a part of your life because they haven't seen it yet so mm. they wouldn't think that the content is lacking it because they don't know it's there. 100% also that's something that I've sort of seen being discussed a lot on social media recently um, in the context of books specifically because there was an author who was pushed to come out because oh, um, yeah. her books features was it I, I can't remember who it was no, I can't remember who it um, was I saw her in books but anyway like this author had written books that featured like um gay characters um and as far as people knew the author was straight and they had kind of critiqued her for writing those narratives um and she felt pushed to come out and say that she was writing from personal experience even though that wasn't the choice that she had wanted to make and she had wanted to keep that part of her life private but she felt she had to defend her um work and I feel like that's something that is also kind of applicable as a reader especially when you're reading books either that perhaps talk about those kinds of experiences like I, I can't relate to this but I'm sure like things like coming out and stuff people immediately feel like in order to say that they think something has been good representation they need yeah. to talk about the way that it connects to them or I guess similar things could come up in terms of things like mental health where you feel obliged to disclose experiences that you've had in order to justify why a book has either been good or bad and that's obviously not necessary so again just listen to your gut feeling mm -hmm. and don't feel pressured to reveal things but if you do want to reveal something or you feel it's a valuable discussion that you want to have because you want to have it not because you feel you have to have it then please feel free obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also I feel like when you are a content creator online you do sometimes come across uh, people in your audience that feel like they're entitled to more information that you give and they can obviously sometimes like I have had pressurizing is pressurizing a word I don't even know where they I think so yeah where they pressure you like in dms on instagram to offer up more information than you have shared um mm. on other platforms and I feel like never bow down to that pressure like what you share is completely and totally up to you and yeah that's our thoughts on that one. Do you have our second question? I certainly do. So as we've talked about, it is nearly Christmas, which is something that I'm so excited about. And I know that a lot of you will be sharing those feelings. But the second question that we're answering today definitely taps into a side of Christmas that might be a little bit more difficult for some people because the person has asked how to deal with feelings of food guilt around Christmas. Because of course it is a holiday and holidays in general seem to focus and center around food. And that can be really difficult, especially if you're dealing with um, any kind of like eating disorder or disordered eating, focus on food, dieting, weight loss, or anything like that, because food becomes so central to everything. And of course there is the classic, January weight loss propaganda that's gonna be just around the corner. So it is a really, really tricky time. Um, and I thought I might as well mention as well, kind of funny going off of the first Agony Ant question that we had because there is no pressure for me to disclose this. I'm just mentioning it because um, I think it will kind of add to the discussion. But um, throughout my teenage years, so I'm now 23, but um, when I was 13 from 
that age until about like 19 I dealt with um, like quite severe disordered eating um, in various different ways engaging in lots of different negative behaviors um, and I did like have professional help for the situation so like I'm all good now but throughout those years it was something that I think was a really big issue for me and it definitely manifested itself in times like holidays so both summer holidays going abroad and suddenly being in like a different environment and then holidays like Christmas where food becomes a really big thing and suddenly this thing I guess that feels very personal to you because I think when you're dealing with uh, an eating disorder or disordered eating you feel this like weird connection with like food in the sense that it like consumes all of your thoughts in the sense or at least that's my experience of it um and it does feel like a personal thing that you are constantly focused on and then suddenly it's like that thing that you have personal access to and that is like your thing becomes part of the public domain because it's suddenly something that everyone is talking about throughout Christmas mm. so it is really difficult um, and I'm not claiming to have any of the answers here but what I will say is that if you are really really struggling especially in terms of if you're struggling with your mental health and you actually do have like an eating disorder or you're dealing with disordered eating there isn't any pressure although it may feel like it there is no pressure for you to do anything outside of your norm you can just stick to your routine if that makes you feel safe and comfortable and if that will help you to stick within the realms of being healthy without diving back into any negative sort of patterns of behavior around food then you know, don't eat loads of Christmas food or don't feel pressure to eat more than you feel comfortable. Don't go to any like massive meals or feel any pressure. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is like, if you don't want to suddenly break out of your routine and eat loads more because you feel like that is going to push you into a negative cycle of behavior, then don't just do what you normally do and what feels natural and comfortable to you. I guess then moving away from the more like severe forms of like disordered eating um where it might not be an issue of like mental health and it is just more that you feel a bit guilty because you've maybe eaten more than you normally would um which is again a normal feeling um just totally just allow yourself to enjoy it like it is just christmas there's like three or four weeks of the year where people get together enjoy loads of food and just like dig into everything and if you gain weight so what it's literally just weight like it literally means nothing means nothing so like basically if you are dealing with um, mental health then feel free to stick within your normal routines don't feel any pressure to go out of that just because it's Christmas if you're not dealing with mental health then just allow yourself to do whatever you want don't worry about it there's no pressure to suddenly like hit the gym on January 1st like you can enjoy yourself now and it will I guarantee not have any negative implication on the rest of your life so just allow yourself to enjoy it yeah definitely and linking back to the other question I'm going to take the other (laughs) side of that and I am actually going to choose not to share my personal relationship with food because that is something that is very personal to me but I will say that like talking about festive food guilt there is a lot of kind of oh guilty pleasures this time of year and like oh you could eat that today but like if you eat that roast dinner today you shouldn't eat anything else tomorrow like there's a lot of that kind of chat at this time of year and it is very very difficult and I think I just want to reiterate that no food is a guilty pleasure like you should never Mm -mm. feel guilty for eating food food is amazing and is also so necessary for you to survive and so never ever be made to feel guilty for enjoying food because 
it's a massive part of this time of year and as Kira said it can be really really difficult but it's also something to really enjoy and have fun with if you feel comfortable with that and never let anyone make you feel guilty because that chat can be very very difficult to be around which I know that we know firsthand yeah. I think it's really good to surround yourself with people who understand that and with people who are very kind of positive about food like me and Kira often talk about this and it's really kind of like a saving grace to be able to have a friend that you can chat to about things like this Kira recommended to me the book Eat Up by Ruby Tando which so is about it's such a good book it's about enjoying food and not feeling guilty for food and really it just approaching food in a much more positive and free mindset and if you're mm-hmm. struggling at this time of year I would definitely recommend reading that book I'll just repeat it again it's Eat Up by Ruby Tando because it is honestly such a brilliant book and it really reminds you of the small joys that come with food and food experiences and sharing food with people because that's another massive thing food is such a social yeah. kind of connector at this time of year um, and it's a way to share experiences with people and never ever be made to feel guilty about it or that you're going to have to pay for it later on in January because I think those discussions can be really really negative and really toxic and I try my best to shut them down if I'm in them or to just leave if I'm in them and I definitely mute certain words on social media because I find them really negative and I think yeah it's a really tough time of year but I would highly recommend that book and always remember that you need food and you're allowed to enjoy food and it is totally... Mm -hmm just a part of life and it should never feel guilty so yes that's my thoughts on that one 100% if I could do one thing like to change the world I would ban any kind of a word that associates food with any kind of like virtue or vice yeah. anything such as like clean food or guilty foods or <sighs> bad foods I'm like can you please stop food is food there obviously, isn't a bad food or a good food no like food is obviously connected with health and whatnot because it is obviously the way that we like you know feed ourselves the way we get nutrients and everything and so obviously like long term various foods will have an implication on your life one way or another but looking at like individual meals and convincing yourself to or not eat something because of the fact that it's a good or bad food is just so negative and also will have an implication on your health mentally and also like the physical stress that you can cause your body by worrying about these things can actually manifest in physical health problems when you start stressing and worrying about these things so Christmas does not last long it comes around but once a year so like (laughs) (laughs) essentially like obviously your personal situation is exactly that is personal to you and so nothing that we say will entirely encompass your own personal circumstances but generally speaking just be kind to yourself I feel like that's the theme of all of our answers yeah I I like that though I think that's just the theme for life and I say that with a box of Cadbury's roses in front of me like be kind Mm -hmm. to yourself and give your body what it wants yeah give your body what it wants give your mind what it wants there is like body food and there is soul food and both I think are so important find that balance but also like I said Christmas is such a short period so like if you have three or four weeks or whatever where you really indulge in those foods that make you feel happy and good and that you get to enjoy with friends and family and maybe you don't eat quite so many fruits or vegetables it doesn't matter because there's plenty of time to eat fruits and vegetables at other times in your life and it's all about just finding that balance between what makes you feel good between your body and your mind and finding that balance and just being Mm -hmm. nice to yourself so enjoy the holidays (laughs) having the compassion that you have for others for yourself 
Yes, 100%. Yeah. And I think that wraps yeah. up our Agony Ant questions today. I really enjoyed those ones. They're yeah, I feel like they were good ones. Thank you interesting for Interesting topics. In. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that will bring episode four of We're Spinning Plates to an end. So as always, thank you so, so much for listening. If you do have any topics you'd like us to discuss, both in terms of the major themes of the week or in terms of specific questions that are personal to you for our Agony Ant sections, then please do let us know on social media because we would love to hear from you. 100%. We absolutely love getting requests because it makes us feel like you're enjoying to listen. Enjoying to listen? Is that even a phrase? It makes That's us feel like you're... <laughs> it's getting to the end of the podcast. It's uh, My brain is getting tired. But it makes us feel like you're enjoying <laughs> listening as much as we are enjoying recording. So thank you to everyone that contributes. Contri- oh my God, I can't speak. Thank you to everyone that <laughs> contributes. And yeah, my mind is telling me that we need to close down this episode. So we will see you next week. <laughs> Bye guys. See you next time.